Hey, listener, are you happy with your current chicken wings? Do you wish you had something a little saucier? If you answered yes, then it might be time for you to break up with your old chicken wings and get a new honey. Lemon pepper wing from Popeye's. Share the wings with your friends so they can see it's time to move on, too. Head to Popeye's and get six-piece honey lemon pepper wings for $5.99. At participating U.S. restaurants, price may vary. This is the Busted Open Podcast. You can listen to the full show Monday through Saturday from 9 a.m. to noon Eastern on Sirius XM Fight Nation Channel 156. Welcome to the Busted Open Podcast. This is Dave LaGreca. And today, Tommy Dreamer and I look back and reminisce and share memories and moments about a legend who just passed at the age of 79, Hall of Famer Pat Patterson. And we have guests that come on to talk about Mr. Patterson, Pete Gass, Jimmy Corderas, Jim Ross, Mark Henry, our own Bully Ray. We look back and reflect on somebody who did it in the ring, on the microphone, and behind the scenes, Pat Patterson, today on the Busted Open Podcast. Pat was awesome. You know, the inventor of the Royal Rumble, uh, a mainstay in WWE for so many years because of his mind. And I mean, from a talent to uh, behind the scenes, probably one of the the best slash worst announcers. But if you think about why I say the worst announcer, just because he was Pat and how he mispronounced words but growing up as a kid uh not knowing the english language and you know kind of learning it on the fly to be an announcer back to a wrestler you know he main evented won every title first intercontinental no he was a north american champion right and then uh, uh, first uh first intercontinental champion yeah heel babyface we all kind of remember him more so for his babyface run in the WWE and always an official, always, I mean, taking so many bumps later on when he was one of Mr. McMahon stooges. But Pat was a lot of times in the WWE for the wrestlers, uh, a voice of, I guess, reason or somebody that you could go to. And if you're, hey, man, I got this idea. I loved working with him in, in the Royal Rumble and you'd see his mind going. And I, if, you know, I came up with a little spot for something, he'd be like, great, that's awesome. Or that's the shits, you know, that yeah. was totally Pat. And uh, he influenced a lot of people's careers and he will definitely be uh, missed. I haven't seen him in a while, but um, you know, WWE took care of him for a long, long time too. And rightfully so, because he was a uh, really, really, he was, he, he was another one of those backbones of the company. Yeah, it's uh, I. We were just talking about Pat Patterson, Tommy. We had Greg the Hammer Valentine on last week for our Starcade show, and I was, you know, um, it, the only time I had met um, Pat Patterson was on the Jericho cruise um, in 2018, uh, the first ever Jericho cruise, and Pat Patterson. Uh, was in charge of karaoke on on the Jericho cruise, and um, 
you know, I, I said I, I got on board the ship and I was wearing I broke Wahoo's leg T-shirt and he came up to me. He's like, why do you want to Wahoo? Wahoo McDaniel was my friend. Why would you want to why would you have a shirt like that? I was like, no, Mr. Patterson, it's, you know, Greg Valentine's shirt from back in the day in Mid-Atlantic. And he was like, you know, it was it, it was like such a crazy first interaction with with somebody that I had seen heard so many so many times that he was so great on that Jericho cruise. Like I said, he did the karaoke that first night and he just, what, what a wonderful man. And I know our, our own Mark Henry is, it was very, very close to Pat Patterson as well. And um, you're right. Like, I, you know, as a commentator, I, I love Pat Patterson as a commentator, you know, those though, he always did the MSG shows with gorilla monsoon and, you know, the, the uh, when Hogan beat the Iron Sheik at Madison Square Garden, that 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 uh, call of him saying, "I don't want to talk anymore. I just want to watch the match." Like that, that's embedded in my brain as a wrestling fan. And you're right, like that babyface run he had in the WWF just before he retired, and that feud he had with Sergeant Slaughter. You talk about somebody that was able to accomplish everything in the world of wrestling. And, you know, as a, as, as a, as an in-ring competitor, as, as an announcer, and then also as that creative mind in the back that everybody trusted and everybody loved. I know Chris Jericho always talks glowingly about Pat Patterson. There's not many people that did more for the pro wrestling world, Tommy, than Pat Patterson. Yeah, man. Uh, Bully and I had a lot of uh, fun times with Pat too. And I'm, I'm just trying to go through like so many different stories. And every time I think of him, it kind of made, it makes me smile just because he had a very, uh, I don't want to say like he knew he was just Pat. And when I say that it was like, he would say what you wanted to say, or he would just give you his real, thought whether you liked it or not like uh, he would be you know i remember him telling somebody uh, just straight up and that straight upness is what a lot of like talents at times needed to be like listen this isn't about you this is about this guy if you know hopefully they'll do something with you but if they don't hey you know you just got to do it because it's about him um stuff like that and, and that honesty uh, i'll tell you a quick little story that i thought of um, this was probably the last time I saw him. It was right before uh, the Royal Rumble in Philadelphia, which was, what, two years ago? And I was driving him. He was doing a signing, and then they had no one to take him to the building. So I love, you know, sit in the car, talk with Pat for a little bit. So we get in the car, and we're driving from the airport to the uh, building in uh, Philly, and all of a sudden he rolls down the window and it was like quiet. He rolls out the window and then he starts, he goes, I'm sorry. That smell was me. I farted. <laughs> and I go, yes, Pat, I get that. Um, because I know I did it. And he just started hysterical laughing. And then I go, you could have blamed it on the Scully kill river. Cause we were going over that or Skullkill River, uh, over that bridge by the airport. And he's like, yeah, Philadelphia smells worse than my shit. 
And we seriously laughed for a good 10 minutes in that car ride because of that. <laughs> well, he seemed to be, again, like one of those people, Tommy, that like nobody has really a bad word to say about. Like I've, you know, all these years as a wrestling fan, I never really heard many people have anything to say about a bad interaction with Pat Patterson. No, nah, man. Uh, Pat was, maybe we could get bully call. I remember uh, him, He, you know, he loved his Montreal where he's from. He also loved Florida, but um, myself, bully, um, the rock, we all went to uh, a karaoke bar in Montreal after a Montreal show and just had a really, really fun time. You don't have like a lot of times like that because you're always traveling, but it was like a night after the pay-per-view or we were in town earlier. I don't remember specifics, but it was a fun, fun time. And I mean, when you talk about somebody who was beneficial on this business, you know, he helped out the rock big time. Uh, to get to WWE and put the word in for him through, you know, Rocky Johnson for their father. And, and, you know, when we also talk, most of us will all remember his career that he had before the WWE, but I mean, he was a top draw in, you know, the, the California and him and Ray Stevens were, were such a notable tag team. And, and to me, I think the biggest part of, Pat Patterson and his, you know, I guess journey was doing all that he did in the wrestling business. And I'm talking about this is a much different time, but being gay in a time where it was not accepted or being in such a manly, you know, wrestling business with all these manly men. And, you know, he had to hide the fact that he was gay, but then all the wrestlers kind of found out and knew about it and nobody cared, which is a lot of the times why I always say <clears throat> professional wrestling is so unique because the world may hold grudges or be racist or homophobic, but locker rooms, professional wrestling locker rooms, man, we welcome always everybody. And for the fact that Pat had to go through that in, in a time where it wasn't acceptable, and, you know, he did that. He had to hide that. Um, I know he came out on that uh, TV program, but that was kind of like a work coming up. But that was the first time he acknowledged that. But again, yeah, if you Legends read his book, House on the network. Yeah. Yeah. But if you read his book, you know, and he even said it like everybody knew it, just people didn't, didn't talk about it because nobody cared. And but having to go through that time, and I, I'm sure there was a lot of people who would use homophobic slurs. Um, or especially, you know, being a heel and going through that, man, uh, that his book is amazing. And I, and I highly recommend it because it talks about the territories. It talks about all these great feuds that he had. And, uh, you know, he, he did. I mean, if you think about the, what was it? The New York city street fight with Sergeant Slaughter. Yeah. Right. Um, he had so many great angles. I mean, he was an angle driven guy, but he was a really, really good wrestler. I mean, I watch his stuff still on the network cause I'm in 1980 and he is, you know, watching him and Hulk Hogan. It's good stuff. And you, and you mentioned his book and, and the name of the book is, uh, is accepted. And you talked about being accepted in, in the world of pro wrestling. Um, and it's a fantastic book. And, and we had, 
uh, Pat Patterson on as a guest over the phone to promote this book. And he gave us over 30 minutes, you know, talking about his book, talking about his career. Um, and you could just tell talking to him how, how much of a love and passion he has for pro wrestling. And one of the things that's unique about this book, because you mentioned The Rock and The Rock does a little bit for his, his book, but the forward was written by Vince McMahon. And I know, Tommy, that Vince McMahon in particular is extremely close uh, to Pat Patterson. Oh, yeah, man. Uh, like I said, he I think he was Vince's voice of reason for a long, long time. He was also a great Finnish guy. And he was, you know, we talk about this creative force or this gigantic creative team that WWE has at one point. I know some of the writers that used to work there and they'd be like, there were so many writers. We didn't know who was writing for what, but WWE creative at one point was Vince, Pat and Howard Finkel. And the three of them would do it at Vince's house. Um, Pat was always part of the created, the creative process. Um, you know, Vince Russo was, has talked about it. J uh, Jim Cornette has talked about it where they would just go, Jerry Jarrett in his book would just be like, yeah, it was me, Vince and Pat. And we would just sit there and bounce ideas off each other. And you think about all that television that was written through all those years and all those angles, that's your creative process, you know, but as the company grows, of course, yeah, you got to get more and more uh, people involved, but for the long time and a lot of the stuff that we grew up on, that creative process came from one man's, you know, brain. Hey, everyone. This is Lisa Ann, and I'm here to tell you about my new podcast, The Lisa Ann Experience. This is my chance to share with you my experiences, past and present, including how I went from living in the fantasy world of adult films to talking fantasy sports on Sirius XM. Each week, I'll introduce you to some of the people I've met on my journey and invite friends on to help me read through the endless ridiculousness that lands in my inbox. New episodes are available every Wednesday on the SiriusXM app and Apple Podcasts. You know, let's go to, um, you know, part of our family, a big part of our family. And I know somebody who is tremendously helped by Pat Patterson, and that is Mark Henry. Mark, uh, good morning, Mark. And I'm so sorry for your loss today. Man, I, I wish it was a good morning. It sucks. You know, Pat was one of those guys that uh, mentored and uh, educated. And sometimes the education came by way of him asking a question. And we, we say it all the time in wrestling. Why would you do that? And <laughs> that was, that was, that's what rings in my head when Pat would come and talk to you. And he would say, well, why, why, why would you do that? And, and it was always kind of funny, but it was very true. It was like, he wanted you to think he wanted you to uh, really base everything that you did in the ring off of psychology. And he, he, he that was his claim to fame. Like Pat was uh, a good athlete. He was a great entertainer, but he was a master psychologist. And people like myself and Dwayne and Kane and Randy Orton and the list goes on, the guys will tell you that 
when we first came in, uh, Pat was one of those that he saw something in you and he would say, listen, every match that you have, um, come and talk to me. I'm here. He always made himself available. And personally, I was involved in a lot with Pat. He worked a lot with me with the sexual chocolate stuff. And even the birth of the hand, you know, like he was, uh, he was the one that was birthing the hand, you know. So I mean, it's just like it was a lot that 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 we we shared. And and like Tommy said, you know, a lot of times uh, we would be in in Montreal, and we would go to that Arizona club out by the airport, and we would go and sing karaoke. And I had never in my life sang karaoke before. And Pat was one of those that invited me in on that. And um, I'll just be, be ever uh, grateful, forever grateful for his teachings and interaction. Yeah. And, you know, Mark, uh, with Pat, and I think he kind of summed it up, his favorite song he would always do was, you know, Frank Sinatra's My Way. And he lived his life my way because – you know, being around him, just like I've been around him, you know, he would say the stuff, a lot of times the truth. And that was a great quality of him. And and I just think of like, uh, as you know, we're, we're talking just so many happy, great memories with Pat or just seeing Pat, because it was when he started, he left for a while when he would come in, you knew it was a big show or a big TV. And it was always like good to see him. It, oh, it was always good to see Pat. Like you, you saw Pat out, like everybody did. And I, I remember um, it was funny. He, he Pat was a practical joker, and um, you know, the, I was standing with with uh, Shane Helms, and. Pat walked up to us and he was like, uh, you just got done working, right? And Shane said, yeah. He said, Pat, what'd you think? And he was like, well, it was definitely your most recent. And then just kept walking. And I thought that shit was the funniest thing that I'd ever heard in my life. Or you would, uh, you would see Pat and he would act like, you were his best friend and he hadn't seen you in so long. He'd be like, Hey, what's going on? And you'd be like, Oh man, you know, they flew you in here for this. Yeah. How you been? Good. Hey, you know who, uh, I was, uh, just was talking, you know, who, uh, what was it? Who, who was just asking for you? And you'd be like, who? He goes, nobody. No one. <laughs> and he'd walk away and you'd be like, Oh, he loved that joke. He told that joke probably every friggin' TV. Man, listen, every joke that he told, he told every TV. <laughs> I mean, that the thing that everybody's going to talk about at his, at his going away is going to be how Pat had about 15 jokes that he told every week from the, time, the first time I met him until the last time I saw him. I remember when uh, I, 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 was, I, would, I would do anything to hear one of those jokes right now. <laughs> I remember when I was at, uh, on creative and he uh, for WWE, and he goes, 
they got you on this? And I go, yeah, he goes, good luck. I've been done with this shit for a long time. <laughs> I was like, oh, thanks for welcoming here. <laughs> yeah, he, he was special, man. And um, on a serious side, like you, you mentioned, Tommy, just a few minutes ago about uh, him coming out and that was not a big deal. Um, but I talked to him back in the day <clears throat> and he mentioned how uh, at first it was really difficult and um, there were wrestlers that, you know, the, the boys, you know, didn't really care, but there was also places that he would go and the rumors about it would swirl and there was always one asshole in the crowd or something that would mention it or say something. And it was, uh, it was problematic at times. And he said that he, he just hated working in certain environments because of that. And, um, you know, I felt for him because you could tell that it hurt him. And, you know, he said, I had to be good. I had to be because I couldn't be a horrible worker and uh, be a, 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 a gay man that was taking heat from the crowd. I had to be good. And he was great. Absolutely. And, and, and Mark, you mentioned how he mentored you. We're talking like Shawn Michaels, Hogan. When Hogan first came to the WWF, The Rock, I know The Rock was – you know, as as said this in the past, how instrumental Pat Patterson was when it came to his character and storylines that were very big during his career in the WWE. Yes, I mean, like that. Dwayne spent the majority of his time uh, going over matches with Pat, and then uh, he did the same with me. Uh, just tell me what you think a match with, with this person would be like, and then you would start talking and he'd go, no, no. He was like, what about that is, is good for the match? It sounds like you just want to do you. You just want to get all your, your shit in. And uh, I, I, I thought about it and I said, okay, let me start over again. And that's the way he was with you. So he helped program you into working for the matches and, he did that so much with so many guys. I, if, if I just said The Rock, I would be, like, missing out on about 50 guys that I know relied on Pat to help focus the match. And sometimes, you know, he said, hey, man, let's go talk to Pat because guys couldn't come to an agreement on what needed to happen, and Pat would be the voice of reason to fix a lot of matches. I'm talking about thousands of matches that you've seen. So Pat was very instrumental in the business. And, you know, like the reason that he was a lot of, uh, he was Vince McMahon's conscience. And people don't realize how powerful he was. And, you know, the, the, the brilliance in him, um, you know, helping create matches and to make sure that, the flow of matches and finishes was his expertise. 
that was very brilliant and very creative in how you do it, when you do it, and why you do it. And uh, I'll just be forever in his debt, and I'm going to miss him so, so much. Hi, this is Adam Shine. The Adam Shine Podcast is back for another football season. I'll give you my passionate, hard-hitting takes every week, including picks against the spread and fantasy football advice, all while talking to the biggest guests in all the sports, celebrities, media personalities, diehard football fans on a weekly basis. It's the Adam Shine Podcast with new episodes dropping on Tuesdays. You can listen to the podcast anytime on the SiriusXM app, iTunes, Pandora, and with Stitcher. You know, Tommy, uh, one of the shows that you and I have done, we talked that we did one exclusively on on referees and somebody who is, uh, you know, a fan, not only just a fan of this show, but a contributor to the show is, is supported us throughout the years and uh, actually texted me. And I, it's how I found out that Pat Patterson passed. And that's uh, our very, very good friend. Uh, Jimmy Corderas joins the show right now. Jimmy, uh and it's a, another legend lost today with Pat Patterson passing at the age of 79. Yeah, absolutely. This one's a tough one, especially for me, because, uh, uh, you know, for me personally, like Tommy said, anybody who was blessed to have known and work with Pat and, and get to call him a friend as well was truly blessed. And, and, and if it wasn't for Pat, I probably would have not had the career I had. I, I, I owe everything I, I have done in this wrestling industry to Pat Patterson. Wow. Um, explain, like, you know, what what was he able to do for you? Like, what were the words of encouragement throughout his career that helped you? Oh, my goodness. Um, well, when I first started working for Jack Tunney up here in the Canadian office for WWF at the time, you know, Pat was Vince's right-hand man even back then. This was like uh, 1985-ish. Wow. And uh, they used to do television up here in Brantford every three weeks. It would be Brantford and Poughkeepsie with the with the television tapings, and and I would uh, escort talent to and from Brantford, Ontario, from Toronto, from the airport hotel. And Pat was one of the regulars in the van, and and he was, you know, he'd have everybody laughing and he'd be joking, but at the same time, uh, you know, kind of it, like Mark said, teaching in a way that. You know, you didn't know you were being taught, if that makes sense. You know, and uh, so after a few months of this, he, he pulls me over to the side and he takes me over to Jack and he says, Jack, you know, we got the kid here. You know, he comes to the TV. He, he helps us out. He does all this stuff. And he waits for the show to end to bring us all back to tr- Why don't we use him? We'll make him a referee. And, J- and Jack says to him, well, do we want to smarten the kid up? And Pat says, he's in the locker room with the boys. How much more do you want to smarten him up? You know, and wow. so Pat comes to me and says, you know, go get yourself some black sneakers, black pants, a, uh, a light blue shirt and a black bow tie and carry it with you always. You're gonna, we're going to we're going to make you a referee. Wow. Think about that, Jimmy, how things could have changed, you know, and, that, you know, and, and you're hearing that more and more like what Mark said and, you know, the stories that Tommy has been sharing about that, you probably could have seen people's careers go in a completely different path if it wasn't for his influence and mentorship. Absolutely. And it wasn't just, uh, you know, obviously working with, with the talent and, and the wrestlers and, and everybody, but he also took time, uh, the, like Mark mentioned, you know, you'd come back from the ring refereeing the match and Pat would say, why did you do that? Why did I do what? And then he'd, point out something you emotion or something you did in the ring. He says, why did you do that? And then he'd 
he guided everybody. It, it, you know, it was just, it, you talk about a learning tree. There isn't a bigger learning tree than Pat Patterson. You know, Jimmy, when the word came down that he had passed on, I mean, like, I, I mean, I, it's almost like, you know, when you think of Pat Patterson, it's somebody that was always there. You know, I, I didn't really look at Pat Patterson at, at the age of 79. Like, he just seemed to be somebody that when you look at the W, I guess almost like the same way you looked at Howard Finkel. Like, you know, the, when you thought of the WWF slash WWE, he was just one of those guys that you just never considered that one day he wouldn't be with us. No, absolutely. I, I, you know, even like you said, like right now, it's it's still hard to believe. I, it, uh, you know, a WWE or WWF without Pat Patterson, uh, especially for me, because when I started, he was there and he was there throughout my entire career and even afterwards. And, you know, they would come here to Toronto and I would go down to visit and, and Pat would see me and goes, Hey, how are you? Your name is again. You know what I mean? He just, he, he was just so much fun to be around. And, and, um, you know, as much as he was a teacher, he was also a calming influence as well to a lot of people. Yeah, this is this is a tough one, Tommy. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, um with Pat, like I said, and Jimmy knows it too, how much he loved the business. <clears throat> you know, and from reading his book Leaving Home uh at an early real early age and you know, going through the things that he did. I believe the first place he went to was Boston and uh just starting up as a wrestler barely knowing the English language. I mean, he lived a very, very full life and that's, you know, and, and I know Jimmy knows it too. When I keep saying he lived his life his way and, you know, my way is such a great song to honor Pat just because he did and always did it. You know, Vince McMahon doesn't like people who smoke. Pat would be literally sitting there smoking a cigarette. <laughs> you know, he just <laughs> did stuff the way he wanted to do. No, he absolutely did. Tommy, you, you're absolutely right. He, that is the most appropriate song for Pat Patterson is my way. And, and uh, hearing him sing it is something else too. For those of you who have never heard it, uh, Pat was fantastic on the, uh, you know, singing that song as well. And, and uh, I used to smoke back in the day, full, full disclosure. And, and I'd sneak out for a cigarette with Pat and Pat would be always, why are you sneaking out here? He said, just go have a smoke. And I'm like, Pat, I'm not you. I can't do it. <laughs> you know, like I w- would never get away with it. Yeah, Jimmy, were you ever able, ever able, like when you were in the back and when you were with the company, uh, him and interacting with Vince McMahon? Because I would think that Vince McMahon would, you know, treat or, or treat or interact with him completely different than the way he would interact with anyone else. Well, it, it, it seemed different only because Pat, uh, you know, like I, every once in a while you'd see Pat, no, Vince, you can't do that. And everybody would be like, what? Somebody's telling Vince he can't do that. You know what I mean? It's, it's just a completely different. Vince, um, I, I think it's more because people were intimidated by him, but Pat um, Pat just had a different way with Vince, and Vince appreciated Pat in, uh, in a different way, I think, as well because of that. Um, we, we always used to joke that, uh, that Pat can get away with anything, pretty much anything, when it comes to Vince. Crazy. Is there, is there one story or one memory that kind of uh, 
is one that you will, you know, cherish and hang on to involving Pat Patterson? Um, well, uh, other than the, the ribs that he pulled on me, which were actually quite funny, but, um, I just remember one time, uh, after, um, an exceptionally long TV taping in Brantford, Ontario, this was before, um, he suggested, uh, you know, a refereeing, uh, I had made a couple of trips back cause there was, a, it was, um, there were a lot of talents that week and Pat was the last guy left at the building believe it or not he wanted to stick around and 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 be last so when I got back there and I looked around he was the only one left so him and I drove back it's not far an hour and 15 minutes an hour 20 minute drive from Toronto to uh, airport to from Brantford to Toronto airport to hotel and you know we had a great personal conversation like he wanted to know about me he was asking me about me, and I found that so uh, incredible because nobody ever asked me about me and my life and, and what were my thoughts and what were my beliefs and what were my goals in the wrestling business and, and, and stuff like that. And after that conversation, that's when he had his conversation with Jack. So I don't know if that was the precipice for it or anything like that, but it was such a wonderful, cool, you know, one-on-one personal conversation we had while driving in that uh, in that minibus which was awesome hey everyone this is former nfl linebacker and current sirius xm nfl radio host kirk morrison and i'm here to tell you about my new podcast total coverage each week i'll be joined by some of the greatest minds in the game as we explore the hows and the whys behind the week's biggest results whether we're breaking down player techniques game plans or coaching philosophies we'll explain the details that define our favorite performances new episodes will be available every Tuesday on the SiriusXM app, Pandora, and Apple Podcasts. Bully Ray joins us here. And Bully, uh, sorry for your loss, and, and thanks for the time this morning. You know, Dave, whenever something like this happens in the wrestling world, or even in my personal life, the, the first thing that immediately comes to mind is, when was the last time I saw this person? When was the last time I spoke to this person? And how did I leave off with them? Um, I got to see Pat... <clears throat> probably at uh, either was either that raw 25 or maybe the last night that we were there in like 2016. And then I had spoke to him a couple times on the phone after that. I always tried to maintain some kind of a, you know, uh, a, a, a communication with Pat and always, you know, tell him how much I appreciated him, how much I loved him, joked around on the phone with him. I'm one of the lucky ones in the wrestling business um, during that attitude era that got to work with Pat Patterson a lot. And in getting to work with him a lot, I became friendly with him and the fun times that we had with Pat Patterson, whether it was just sitting there at catering, listening to him tell stories or talking about how he just got out of the creative meeting and they don't know what they're doing. And this show is going to be horrible because they won't listen to Pat's ideas. Um, one of my favorite stories with Pat is me, Pat, Rocky, and Devon going out one night in Montreal. And we, he, Pat took us to this really upscale steakhouse, and then he took us to a gay karaoke bar. And there's me, Pat Patterson, Devon, and The Rock doing YMCA at a gay <laughs> karaoke bar in Montreal at 2 o'clock in the morning. Um, so many fun times. Uh but the man was a genius when it, when it came to what went on in that ring, uh, 
I don't know if there is a smarter agent slash producer producer that has ever lived. Um, so smart. <clears throat> saw things from so many different angles and in my top three people that I got to learn from in this wow. industry. Yeah. Paul being number one, Vince being number two and Pat Patterson being number three. And just knowing bully that for the longest time, we, t we just had this conversation yesterday when we were talking about Monday night raw and a staff of all these writers and everything. And you said for, you know, for decades, it was, you know, two or three people, one being Vince, one being Pat Patterson or, you know, whether it was, you know, Jim Cornette or somebody. But it was a, always like a very, very small group of people. And Pat Patterson, one of those people that was constantly and consistently by Vince McMahon's side. And there was a reason why he was by Vince McMahon's side, because Vince McMahon trusted his mind. And even as Pat got up there in age and couldn't travel as much, Vince always had him at the pay-per-views or the bigger pay-per-views, and he always handled the main events. I mean, if you talk to The Rock, and I know Rocky has gone on record to say this, Pat was Rocky's agent. Like, Pat took care of everything for Rocky, and... Pat being responsible for <clears throat> the great matches that The Rock was able to put on and help him along the way. Vince respected Pat's mind to the very end. Uh, Pat sat in on all of the meetings with the WWE and always voiced his opinion. Uh, a lot of times they wouldn't go with his ideas in, in, I'd say in the past, I don't know, five, six, seven years, but Pat always got to, you know, give his point of view and throw his two cents in. And one of Pat's biggest, uh, pet peeves and gripes was something that we talk about on the show a lot, selling. His, he would take, tell guys, just stay down and sell. I remember the one time, one time me and Devon got beat up by, I, I don't know, maybe it was Austin. And we were, we were laid out for like five minutes, Dave. And I said to Pat, I go, Pat, we're down for like five minutes. I, I'm like, what do you want us to do? He goes, just lay there like a douchebag. <laughs> I said, what? He goes, yeah, just lay there like a douchebag. Nobody's looking at you anyway. I was like, okay, no, no problem, Pat. You got it. <laughs> um, such a smart, smart man. And one one time it was uh, me and Devon versus Jericho and Christian. And me, Jericho, and Christian sat down and we, we was like, all right, we're going to come up with a match that – Pat is not going to be able to dissect. He's not going to be able to change. We're going to come up with all of the Pat objections before we give the match to Pat. And, you know, this way we can give him something perfect. And we probably sat there for, I don't know, two hours, and we came up with what we thought was the perfect match. And there weren't any other objections that we could possibly think of that Pat would have come up with. So we walked into the arena at about 4 or 5 o'clock in the afternoon, and there's Pat sitting in the stands in the front row, right up against the hockey boards over there. And he's smoking a cigarette with his legs crossed. Now, you're not allowed to smoke in the arena, but Pat didn't care. He was going to smoke anyway. And we went up to Pat and we told him, Pat, we came up with this match and we told him the whole match. And we were so proud of ourselves. And he sat there and he took a drag off of his cigarette and he blew the smoke in the air. And he said, that's really good. But did you ever think about doing it this way? And Dave, 
It took him two seconds to see a perspective on the match that the three of us never saw. Wow. And, and Jericho Christian and myself kind of pride ourselves in the matches that we can come up with. And he was right. And it was, it, it was like the nose on our face. It was, it was, it was right there and we never saw it. So, uh, a friend, a gentleman, a genius, a legend, uh, a monster loss for the uh, for the WWE, and this will be one of the ones that hits Vince McMahon in the heart because this is a lifer for him. This is one of his true right hand men, and uh, a, a man that I know Vince respected very, very much. Yeah, and and you know, and that's one of the things that we kept uh, bringing up today. Bully is about uh, the influence, the mentorship. Uh, and Vince McMahon trusting somebody as much as a, as a as a Pat Patterson, and just that story to to say, you know what, um, three in three seconds where you spend hours thinking about a match, and he was able to just change it in three seconds, and you're like, oh yeah, you know, like that's a, that's a certain type of person that is able to do that, and and one of the things, and 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 I think that like a show like this is an important show bully because i i mentioned this before on the air before you joined us you know a lot of people look at pat, pat patterson in different ways all you have to do is listen to some of the phone calls that we've taken we've had people talk about his in-ring career talk you know people talking about his announcing people talking about they know that you know he came up with the ideas for the rumble things like that i don't know if there's many people that we could talk about here on busted open where it's going to be that much of a variety. I mean, seriously, when you think about it, most people that you're going to talk about, there's going to be something above all else that people are going to remember. That's not that when you have an influence over decades like Pat Patterson, it's really hard to pinpoint one thing that was bigger than any other. I mean, when I look at um, the time, my timeline when it comes to Pat Patterson from when I was a kid to being on the air with you right now. I mean, the Pat Patterson that I knew as a child was an announcer on WWF television. Yep. You know, he was also an interviewer on television. I don't, I don't remember ever seeing Pat wrestle a lot. Um, he had, he, he, he had uh, moved on from in-ring back when I started wrestling. So that's the Pat Patterson I knew. And then any time we saw – and then, you know, once the Attitude Era rolled around and, you know, he was part of the Stooges and then, you know, meeting him for the first time, working with him backstage and just becoming friendly with him. He was a huge karaoke fan. And me and Devon loved doing karaoke also. We were, we were up for it. So we had a camaraderie. And, you know, we came back with the song My Way because Pat would always sing My Way way but one of his favorite songs to sing if not his favorite and if you closed your eyes you couldn't tell the difference of whether it was pat or not he loved the song what a wonderful world by louis armstrong and i've heard him do it twice in a karaoke bar and i was floored he could get that tone in his voice that louis armstrong voice so watching pat as a child getting to work with him side by side professionally getting to be friends with him and go to karaoke getting to hang out with him at catering like that's my my timeline my scope when it comes to this man and i and i have nothing but nice things to say about him because he treated us so well, I mean, 
if you worked the main event on Raw or SmackDown, Pat was your agent. If you worked with Rocky, Pat was your agent. If you worked with Jericho, Pat was your agent. We were lucky enough to be in those slots many, many times. And I got to learn from one of the greatest minds there ever was. Sometimes on this show, Dave, when you hear me tightening the screws, those are Pat Patterson's words coming out of my mouth. You know, it's it's funny because you just reminded me of something because I talked about it with Tommy earlier about, um, you know, the first time and only time that I met face to face Pat Patterson was on the Jericho cruise because he was in charge of the karaoke on the Jericho cruise. And I remember Mark telling me just before I went on that cruise, knowing that he was going to do the karaoke, Mark said, make sure you ask Pat Patterson to do what a wonderful world. Like, cause it's, it, he, Mark was telling me it's amazing. And I remember when I met Pat Patterson, I told him that I said, you know, I just, I do a show with Mark Henry and he told me, you know, Hey, make sure you do what a wonderful world. And Pat Patterson says to me, well, that's, I don't know. He's like, David, I don't know what I'm going to do. <laughs> like, maybe I am going to do what a wonderful, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, like, it's, it's very possible I'll do a, what a wonderful <laughs> world, but I, I can't guarantee, I can't guarantee you. And it's like, it took me aback because it's just like most people would just say, oh, yeah. Like, but he actually like took it so much to heart that he, he didn't want to put that much pressure on himself that he had to do what a wonderful world. <laughs> He took his karaoke very seriously, and he wasn't gonna pl- he wasn't gonna plan his spots before he went up there. He's just gonna feel the crowd. It's um with uh I remember one time they started playing the the music in the arena, and they hand pat a microphone, and this was before you know they opened the doors and Bubba. I'm not Bubba. And Pat's like, no, no, I couldn't sing. And then he was totally milking it, milking it. And then as soon as the first verse hit, Pat grabs a microphone and performed like he was uh, in front of a sold out Vegas crowd where it was just all the boys. And you have all the boys getting ready before Monday Night Raw. And Pat literally just sang and entertained all of us. At the end, we're all cheering for him. And he's like, oh, thank you. Like being all bashful. But that was just Pat. You know, it was uh, it was a cool, great ass moment. I can tell you another story and I was waiting for Bubba to come on because uh, Bubba and I would always like talk to Pat and we, I was talking about Ray Stevens and his tag team partner and, you know, Bubba being a tag team. He's like, Oh, you know, tag teams were different with me and Ray. We got along uh, so, so well. And he goes, but he was a ribber. And he goes one time, you know, he says, I'm going to go to my uh, cousin's house and we go to a cousin's house and he goes, you know, Ray, he liked to, you know, drink, maybe be with some of the girls. And Ray was with the the daughter, but he found out that the mother wanted to be with him. But the whole time I'm thinking that this is his cousins. So we we have a they make a beautiful Italian meal for us. We're sitting there, drink a little wine, all this stuff. And then all of a sudden I'm noticing and like Ray is gone and I'm like, now I know Ray what's like what he's doing. And now I'm sitting there all awkward. And then like the girl starts hitting on me and me and Bubba have like a total like 10 year olds. And we're like, Bubba goes, so Pat, what did you do? (laughs) And he goes, I did what I had to do when I went to bed. I had to get a night's sleep. (laughs) 
so he was like, but I got that son of a bitch for a whole time, the whole ride the next time. Tremendous. Tremendous. But Dave, me and Devon were sitting at catering uh, what time? Go figure. We were in catering, right? Uh, with Pat. And Pat looks at me and Devon. This might have been after the whole uh, Montreal karaoke thing. He goes, oh, guys, I had so much fun with you guys last night. That was the best. Oh, you know, he goes, you know what, guys? You know what I like to do sometimes? I just like to walk around my my house in my underwear with a glass of red wine, and I just love to sing karaoke. You guys should come over one day. <laughs> and I said, you know what, Pat? Devon would love to. And I walked away. <laughs> hey, everyone. This is Nicole Auerbach, and I want to invite you inside the Coaches Clubhouse, a brand new podcast from SiriusXM that examines what drives coaches on and off the sidelines. We talk to coaches from all different sports and all walks of life about their passion for the profession, their mentors, philosophies, and stories, and also what they care about when they're outside the spotlight. We'll give you a unique perspective on some of the greats in their profession, from Olympic coaches to Super Bowl champions and everyone in between. New episodes out every Wednesday on the SiriusXM app, Pandora and Apple Podcasts. You know, you mentioned about one of the, if not the biggest segment in the history of Monday Night Raw and somebody that's going to join us right now, Tommy, Pete Gass. Um, and 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 Pete, thanks uh, thanks for, for joining us uh, this morning. Oh. Uh, truly appreciate the time. Oh, it's my pleasure. I just, uh, you kind of, I didn't know, I didn't hear until you called me a couple minutes ago and it kind of, I got that lump in my throat and it's, uh, it's, it's sad, you know, cause I've known him for so many years. So, uh, it's just kind of, uh, I don't, I don't even, I don't even know what I'm saying right now. It's just kind of, it, I don't know. He's just, he was a great guy and, uh, a lot of fun to be around and just, I don't know. But uh, I don't even know what to say, bro. I no. um, yeah. It's Pete, pretty, thanks pretty for uh, taking the time. You know, Bully Anytime came in and said, you know, growing up watching Pat as a kid, being the announcer, and then getting a chance to work with him. Um, did you ever like see Pat back? You know, at Vince's house back in the day, like because you'd probably yep. have a longer relationship with him, or did you meet him? Uh, you know, when you started working there. Yes, I used to see him when he would be, um, you know, I guess the infamous, you know, out outside on the by the pool uh, writing scripts with um, Vince um, during a week in the beginning of the week, and then uh, you know we used to see him at Christmas parties, stuff like that, and he was always such a great guy. And then getting the opportunity to work with him was it was hysterical because he wouldn't give us any offense, but that <laughs> that was one of the funniest things because he he was afraid we were going to hurt him. But uh, it was, uh, yeah, it was, it was, I, we, I, like I said, I've known Pat probably, God, uh, what was it? 30 years, something like that. Right. Wow. Maybe more than that. Yeah. Maybe even more than that. I don't even know, to be honest with you. It is more than that. Yeah. Cause we're uh, kids. So it's probably almost 35 years ago. Well, we were talking about, you know, Pat being a genius as well as, and I mean, I'm sure you've seen it like Pat pretty much did what he wanted in the sense of he would say, like he, he told Bubba, lay there like a douchebag because no one's paying <laughs> attention to you. And that like how Pat would eloquently put stuff, but it's that honesty that a lot of times we didn't get, but a lot of yep. us would go to Pat because we knew you'd get that honesty. 
Absolutely. Not only I mean, think about how much how much of the business at WWE had gone through Pat. Like the, if I'm not mistaken, he he used to write all the the Royal Rumbles, any Battle Royal. He 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 was the one that uh, was basically calling the shots on you know how things were going to go down, who was going to leave, you know, uh, how they were going to get thrown over the top or whatever the case was. He, if I'm, if I'm not mistaken, I believe everything went through him uh, where he kind of ran like the order and everything else. Cause I know that he used to, when we were a part of him, he was always the one uh, calling yes. the shots. Absolutely. And uh, I always remember the, one of the few Royal Rumbles that I was in <clears throat> and Pat would hold the meeting. You're sitting in this big, big room. I want to say the first one was in uh, the Boston Garden or whatever the name of it is now. But uh, I had come up with an idea for somebody else. And when I told, you know, I just waited my turn and Pat thought it was going to be for something for me. And I just went and I told him it. And he stood back. He goes, I love it. And just started laughing. He goes, we're going to go do that. Go get those guys and go tell them, bring them over here and I'll tell them. But like, just that whole like him laughing and him laughing because an idea was pitched that it was made his match better is why I, you know, for me, like I love Pat Patterson. I was just like, man, I just, I pitched something to Pat and he loved it because, you know, yeah, that's huge. It, that's it's, definitely a feather in your cap. <laughs> Bu- Bubba he, said genius and Pat truly was a wrestling genius. That's absolutely. He had just a, a great mind for, you know, psychology and everything else. And it was just, it was great. The only, like I said, the only thing he didn't do is give us any offense in those, uh, in, in any of those matches, brother. And that was, it was, you know, <laughs> well, that's why I'd had the highest rated time. for the longest time. <laughs> and, and, and that's the thing. <laughs> exactly, like, exactly. There's a couple of things, Pete, that you just said that like really kind of as, as, as a longtime wrestling fan, I, I got to ask you about, because you mentioned as a kid, you know, kind of just running around, I guess, in the McMahon backyard. And there's, you know, there's Vince McMahon and, and Pat Patterson. And I'm sure at the time, it, you, you're not making the connection. You're a kid just running through the backyard. But, like, you know, to be able to be a fly on the wall, like, at those moments when, like, Vince McMahon and Pat Patterson are are sitting together talking shop, like, it, it it almost gives me goosebumps to know that you were that close to who knows what the hell yeah. they were talking about. You know what I mean? Right, right. What storyline at that moment? What type of you know angle are they you know coming up with at that moment? Yeah, I agree. And you know, I never really thought about it until you just said it. But you're absolutely right. You know, like uh, you know, we used to just you know say hi to Pat, hi to Vince, and then go off and you know whatever would happen happen. Um, and it was just, you know, again, like you said, it, who knows what was going on during that that era? You know, it's amazing. That was more you, the more you guys are bringing stuff up, it's like wow. But uh, the last time I I actually got to hang out with Pat was uh, the WrestleMania in Dallas. The uh, was it 2016? Was yeah, that yeah 32? Yep. Yeah, uh, I happened to be going in the back. Uh, going over to use the men's room and I come out and I see Pat standing near one of the bars and uh, Rob Van Dam had like a, a gang of people around like fans around him doing shots at the bar and I look over I see Pat and I went over and I said hey I go can I buy you a drink and we we sat at a different bar at, at, at Texas Stadium 
and uh, we just had a drink together and just shot the you-know-what uh, for about a good 20 minutes, and then we both went on our way. He gave a hug, and that was it. So that was pretty uh, – now it's even more special because he's gone. So Absolutely. But, Yeah. And then, and then, lastly, Pete, and 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 Pete, yeah. thanks for thanks for coming on, man. I mean, we haven't spoken in a while. I hope everything's well. Uh, we got to yeah, catch up, and I know this pandemic's been tough on everyone, but um, yeah. you know, um, and you've always been good to the show, and 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 you're a good friend. But you know, Tommy was just mentioning it earlier that. You know, that segment with you and, and the Stooges, you know, and you're talking about not giving you any offense. Like, you know, if if not one of the most watched segments in the history of of Monday Night Raw, it, it's crazy when you think about it. But, like, you know, that's a bond you'll always be able to share with that legend because it's something that yep. people still talk about today. Absolutely. And the same goes, you know, with uh... – you know, just all the moments even leading up to to that, the one that had the ratings, the, the match that had the ratings, you know, and Jerry Briscoe, every time I see him, we hug and talk about it too. And, and it's just one of those things where, you know, we're all proud of it. Um, you know, considering the fact that Rodney and I had no idea what we were doing at that moment, only from what we had seen on television for years, um, we just kind of threw our bodies around, didn't even know how to take a bump and, you know, it just makes it so much more special that it had those ratings. And I know that Rodney and I take great pride in that. And I know that Jerry and, and, and Pat had it as well. And it was one of those uh, just, I guess, special moments, you know, lightning in a bottle type thing. Hey, everybody, this is Fran Freshella, host of the podcast World of Basketball. The game of basketball has truly become a global game. Markovic fires it in to Mickey, and somehow it goes in. Each week, I talk with the players, coaches, and executives who have led the way in growing the game of basketball around the world. Real Madrid have stolen victory from the jaws of defeat. Episodes are available every Thursday on the SiriusXM app, Pandora, and Apple Podcasts. Somebody I know uh, and, and i and i say this and i i believe me i don't say this without Je- uh, with jest i say this completely grounded and that is the greatest voice in the history of pro wrestling joins us now and that is jim ross and and sir uh, thank you so much I, I i know this is a busy day for you but we really appreciate you giving us some time this morning oh my pleasure fellas uh it's been a hell of a morning i can tell you that on a, on a very professionally busy day, but Pat, my relationship with Pat Patterson uh, far exceeded uh, the profession. He was a true friend of mine. And, you know, we had so many, I, I had a good cry this morning when I, I was thinking about uh, Pat and Jan uh, hooking up and meeting and hugging and comparing spaghetti sauce recipes in heaven. I don't know why. I just know that just, came into my mind because when I first came to WWE in 1993, because I was the perceived as the voice of the enemy, I wasn't welcomed by everybody, but the guys like Monsoon and Heenan and Patterson were my guys and they made me feel at home. And, you know, my wife, Jan and I spent so many hours at Pat's house with his, his uh, companion, Louis Dondero uh, cooking and, Jan would bring these little dog treats over for their dog buddy. It's a funny thing how you sometimes you can't even remember a date 
uh, but you can remember a dog's name that was played a big role in your in your life in some crazy way. But Buddy was a part of the family, and Pat was a part of our family. We were part of his. Funny story. I, that's what I tried to do this morning. Think of things that there's so many laughs with him. He had a great sense of humor, amazing timing, not only in the ring, uh, but just in life and in conversation. I'm sitting down in Pat's house, go downstairs in the basement because Louie cut my hair. And Louie was a barber, had his barber shop in the Frisco for years and years. So I'm sitting there uh, at a table with a light hanging down like a, you're playing cards or something. And Louie's cutting my hair. Surrounding the table is Louie, Pat, and two other gentlemen who are both gay. And so I'm sitting there with four gay men downstairs with a light on like I'm being interrogated. And I said, man, guys, if the big cowboy could only see me now. And they laughed their ass off. We had so much fun all, always. And I can tell you that knowing Pat helped me become more sensitive to the lifestyles of other people. Uh, it helped me address, uh, you know, racism issues. Uh, it helped me address so many things that he became, he made me more of a man and to be more open-minded and to love people for, for who they are uh, and let them, and everybody should have the right to enjoy their life. And boy, I'll tell you, fellas, you guys both know Pat enjoyed his life. So he'll be uh, se- severely missed. You know, he worked the Oklahoma Territory back for Leroy McGurk back in the day. I heard all those stories. You know, uh, it's just it was just a amazing journey for me. I had two great mentors, Bill Watts and Pat Patterson, two great Finnish guys, two guys that, that bled the business, that felt the business, that loved the business, embraced it in all aspects. And Pat always had time for everybody, even a lowly TV announcer to a referee. I heard he had Jimmy Corderas on, uh, top guys he, he mentored. Pat Patterson's the one that turned me on to The Rock. And he said, you know, you got to go down. That's when I was head of talent relations. You got to go see Rocky Johnson's kid. And I, and I didn't know Dwayne at that point. I didn't know anything about him other than I knew he played football at Miami. So, uh, you know, I went to Florida and met Rock, and we clicked immediately. And, you know, I, I, I got him to commit to signing, and I paid him more money than any rookie that I'd ever signed. I told Vince what I was signing for, and Vince kind of looked at me with a, are you are you sure you did the right thing type deal? I said I promise you, he can't miss Vince. And I've never seen any, never said that to you about anybody. This kid is special, and thanks to Pat, uh, we're going to get him. So I, I love Pat, and and I appreciate all he did for me as a mentor, and more importantly as a friend. And in this crazy ass business, you know, with all the jealousies, insecurities, paranoia, guys looking over their shoulder. Uh, you, you, you have you don't have that many friends in this crazy business. You just really don't, unfortunately. But Pat was that, and I'm going to miss the hell out of him. Hey, Jr. Um, you know, you always told me about wearing different hats, and like I literally going through my head, saying, "Is there anything that Pat didn't do in this business?" From you know Booker to you know we were talking before WWE has so many writers, but I mean he literally would be sitting at Vince's pool writing all these TVs that uh, generations of people would be watching, but, you know, or just stepping into the role at the two WrestleManias just because you knew he would get the job done. He was just such a pivotal part of this industry. And, and I don't throw the word genius around 
but he was just a, a, a genius for all of, you know, anything professional wrestling. Yeah, he was legitimately Tommy. Uh, I remember sitting and talking about the, uh, Bam Bam Bigelow Lawrence Taylor match at WrestleMania 10, I think it was. And even though I didn't work the show, uh, I missed that one. I might have been on one of my sabbaticals. I'm not sure. But nonetheless, uh, Pat was assigned the referee that match to caretake it, to make sure the guys didn't get lost. Because LT, we knew, was going to blow up. And when he started blowing up, you start forgetting things. And then, you know, and Bam Bam had to kind of back his game down just a little bit to so Lawrence could st- stick with him. But Pat was in the ring on that match because Vince did not want that match to go south. It was what we built the whole damn thing around. And uh, so Pat was so vital in so many areas, uh, the booking and, the, you know, he, he asked me, he, he was kind enough to ask me questions and engage me in creative conversations when he didn't have to, didn't need to, but he wanted to. He wanted my opinion. And uh, then he would kid me about my accent. You know, my opinion. He'd say, your opinion. You always got an opinion, kid. So I did have an opinion. And I remember he called my wife Jan Jane for years. I said, Pat, you know her name's Jan. It's not Jane. Oh, okay. It didn't bother me one bit. So I'm sure he and Jane are have reunited. And I, I would cherish a picture of that. And they're in the kitchen somewhere stirring spaghetti sauce and tasting. Uh, just, I just love the guy. And it goes way beyond wrestling. It goes way beyond creating the Royal Rumble, way beyond being Vince's right-hand man. It goes strictly to the heart of a friend who was a great mentor and helped me so many ways. Because it was a culture shock for me to go from down south and WCW and then mid-south before that, UWF, to go to and Crockett and all that stuff, to go to the big show. And he made me feel comfortable. And he made me feel at home. And he made me feel like I belonged there. And I really needed that at that point in time in my life. So my success that I had, whatever level it would be, that's up to the eye of the beholder, I suppose. Uh, I, I can't give Pat enough credit for what he did for me. You know, and, 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 and Jr. something that you've taught me in, in, in our relationship and our friendship is about the community of pro wrestling. And, and, uh, you know, when somebody you know thrives and somebody is successful, it helps the entire community. And and I know with Pat Patterson and reading his book, accepted like, you know, it really hurt him about Bret Hart and and Bret Hart's relationship with the WWF at that time. And 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 I know he had a lot of pride and he felt so good when Bret Hart came back, you know, to the to the fold and to the family. And and he could tell that. You know that really meant a lot to him. That 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 relationship was strained for so many years. Well, the thing about it is, you know, not only were they both fellow Canadians, and there was a kinship there, but uh, Pat truly loved Brett. And at the end of the day, as the, as the, as the circle is completed, I know that Brett, when he came back around, that he and Pat made definitive peace, that love affair, that respect uh, on so many levels returned. And it made them both whole again. So I'm very thankful that I got to witness most of that. And uh, But he loved Brett. You know, he loved what Brett stood for. He loved his work ethic. And look, he, Pat was a guy that uh, kind of resurrected Shawn Michaels mentally uh, and gave Shawn confidence that, you know, you are really great. But, you, you know, there's certain things you need to work on, maybe communication skills or whatever. But Pat was like, instrumental in so many guys. I've heard uh, Tommy and you guys talk about Hogan. Uh, I mean, Pat was a company guy. But he was a he was a friend of the boys, 
he loved the boys more than anything in the world, and and he loved the wrestling business. And you know, his contributions will never be equaled. We can we can forget those comparisons because nobody's going to replace Pat Pat Patterson's legacy and what he contributed, what he stood for, and all the people that he helped, no matter their race, no matter their gender, no matter what. They everybody was one of the boys, and uh, he loved the boys uh, immensely. And for that, you know, I'll always love Pat because he loved me and, and I loved him. And, you know, coming from a very uh, uh, not politically correct uh, pro wrestling environment in the South uh, and then working with a gay man uh, was uh, a, 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 it took it was an adjustment, to be very frank about it. But I, I, he, he taught me tolerance. He taught me to, to look at things in a different way. And, and knowing Pat Patterson simply made me a better man. And I can never thank him enough for that. Yep. Uh, JR, man, sorry for your loss. And I know you're listening to the show, but we were just talking about um, Pat's karaoke, Pat's smiling, always joking around. And uh, from Bubba, Mark, um, all the people that he influenced. And, you know, we all did lose one of our friends today. Yeah, we sure did. But look, the, the way to celebrate this moment, at least for me, is uh, to remember the great times, the car trips, the booking meetings. You know, Pat was so excited when I when Vince handed over the reins of booking the house shows and uh, the payroll because he didn't have to do it anymore. <laughs> he could focus on creative stuff uh, and TV more specifically. So he was always a big proponent of mine and, and advocate. He gave me again. He gave me confidence. And sometimes as a performer. You, you can easily lose confidence in yourself because the business is so subjective and you're working with a very demanding owner who knows exactly what he wants. And, uh, but Pat always, uh, he always had a way of making me smile. Even when I couldn't smile real good because of Bell's palsy, I had the smile in my heart. I got a smile today and I look forward to going to work tonight and I will broadcast tonight in the spirit of Pat Patterson. And I want to give it every, <clears throat> I don't start crying. I'll give it everything I got, and I want to remember Pat while I'm doing it. You always do, and the crowd will go banana tonight. So uh, it's all good, Jared. <laughs> Thanks, man. You bet. Yeah, thank you so much. And and yeah, we today we planned on talking about AEW Dynamite and Winter is Coming, but I thought it was our duty uh, to dedicate this show, these three hours, to Pat Patterson and you know, to, to kind of teach our audience as well what he meant to the world of pro wrestling and being involved in, in 60 years. And, 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 Jr. I mean it when I say it. You're, you're a great friend. You're a mentor to me. And you're the greatest voice in the history of pro wrestling. And, and I'm lo- really looking forward to, to hearing your performance tonight, sir. Well, you'll get all I got, fellas. And I really appreciate you guys reaching out and uh, letting me uh, share my memories, my thoughts, my love. Of Pat Patterson, and I hope that the folks that are listening will go back to the WWE Network or go to the uh, YouTube. Look, there are certain things I do before big shows to get me ready. And one of the things, believe it or not, is I go back and watch that uh, New York Street fight. I watched it a hundred times if, if, at least, and uh, it puts me in the mood for wrestling. It puts me in the mood for what I perceive wrestling should be. Believable, the physicality, the realism, and I, I, I've, uh, Pat and I have watched that match before. He'd just laugh and chuckle because uh, he knew he had them. He got the crowd. They got it right in the palm of his hand. 
and everything he did, if you go back and look at that, the timing of, of what he did and when he did it is so invaluable to young talents today if they'll choose to take the time, 14 minutes and 13 seconds, watch that match, and you'll see what I'm saying. Every little nuance, every little subtlety is, is, a, is a piece of art. And he was a Rembrandt on a very unique canvas, and he'll never be forgotten. Thanks for listening. Catch us Monday through Saturday on Busted Open from 9 a.m. to noon Eastern on Sirius XM. Fight Nation, Channel 156. The Busted Open Podcast. With chocolate treats mixed into dark chocolate ice cream, the Tillamook Chocolate Collection is a chocolate game changer because the thing that pairs best with chocolate is more chocolate. Tillamook Chocolate Collection Ice Cream. Extraordinary Dairy.